0: Well, praise God, I don't know if anybody's noticed lately, but the world seems to have gone crazy. Seems like wicked and unruly men and women if think they're going to win, but I'm going to teach you a message this morning about how to fight. I don't know any other way to do it in life but fight. I'm not much of a person just to lay down and and roll over and and take it, but I think a lot of people in the world today are—I—I I, I don't know. I, as I visit with people and talk to people, I find I find certain groups of people—they're just like numb, or or maybe they just don't care. Maybe life is just so busy, and they've got their own sort of circumstances and situations. They're not even thinking, you know, outside their house. You know, they're just they're just trying to live. They don't think anything about that the president signing an executive order and uh, send our tax dollars around the world to fund abortion and they're killing one baby a second around the world. They don't think about that, you know? That you are killing babies all over the world. I mean, they just don't, that doesn't register. They got soccer practice or, you know, situations or, or got to get to work and my boss is a jerk. You know, I mean, seriously. Or, you know, marriage problems or teenage problems or whatever. And so they're just not thinking about it at all. Then there's another certain group of people out there that I talk to. I find out that they're like, you know, um, yeah, we need, uh, you know, this is just kind of what happens. And, you know, in four years, everything will be okay and it will change. And, you know, we'll, we'll go do something else like that. And then, uh, and so they're just like, like just thinking things are going to be normal, but I'm telling y'all something here this morning, things are not going to be normal. Listen to me. I'm just telling you, we got to wake up as Christians. We got to wake up and realize that you are in a fight for your life right now. Hallelujah. This is not some play church. This is not some time we come together and just 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 have a little nicey nicey time. Come up here and drink a little juice, eat a little bread, and 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 have our little service and go home. I'm telling you, folks. I'm telling you, things are serious. Amen. Things are more serious than we think they are. Hallelujah. And there's things seriously done being done in the spiritual realm. That can only be reversed and changed by us Christians who pray. Do you hear what I'm saying? Is this not some, this is not some, oh, the Republicans lost and they're all, you know, hurt and so. No, no, no. That's not, I've told you all this from the very beginning before the election ever happened, that everything going on in the world today, or the United States specifically, is not about. Democrats and Republicans, liberals or progressive. its not about that. It's not about conservatism. It's not about that. It's all about good and evil. It's all about God and the devil. Okay, he wants to ruin America. He wants to shut America up. He wants to keep you quiet. And so, I, 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 as a past, as your pastor, I want to, you know, I want to try to do everything I can to lead y'all and, and direct y'all into the proper way, so that I can, you know pop open your eyes or, or get you to go because I believe with all of my heart, and you can say, oh, you're crazy. I believe you guys right here, everybody out there watching and everybody in here, I believe you play an important part on what's going on in the world right now. I believe y'all are powerful people. I believe y'all are amazing people. I believe y'all, I know God hears your prayers. I know that heaven can be populated and hell plundered by the activity of this church. I know it. Yes. But if you don't believe in yourself and you don't believe that your prayers work, and if you get caught up in the rigmarole of everything going on around, and to where you get off your purpose and off your your game, well then you know you become a spectator. And then what happens in spectators? They're not participators. They ain't gonna, you know, they don't get to share in the trophy. Have you ever thought about that? Super Bowl tonight, isn't it? Today. Is Super Bowl Sunday? I haven't even the slightest idea who's playing. I got so mad at all, of. I don't watch nothing. But there's people buying tickets, paying thousands of dollars for tickets to go to the Super Bowl, right? And they're going to go, and they're going to watch the game, and they're going to get all involved in their, their team that's 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 playing. And they're going to shout, and they're going to cheer, and they're going to get mad, and they're going to claim the ref didn't, death, that was a bad call, and what did you see that down there? They're going to get all involved in this, and at the end of the night, they're going to go home, and th- they... If their team won, they're going to feel exuberant that they won. But they didn't do nothing except sit in the stands and yell, pay their ticket, drink beer and popcorn, eat peanuts. Are y'all with me? The team did it. But I believe y'all are part of the team. I believe here at Living Waters Church, I believe there's a special anointing on this church. I just not believe we're just a little country church. I don't believe that, that we just formed because we didn't want to sing out of a hymnal. I believe with all of my heart that this church is a special place. I believe there's God's anointings on this church. I believe that this church is recognized in heaven. I believe that, that, that Jesus has his finger on us specifically for a purpose and a time. You're alive right now, so I'm saying you're it. All right? So I don't know how to do anything but fight. I'm sorry. I don't know how to lay, roll over. I'm apologizing for that. Why did I say I'm sorry? I'm not sorry for being a fighter. I, 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 I'm not going to... I, and I'm, so I'm going to teach you all to fight this morning. I'm going to teach you to fight, and I want to tell you something. I, a long time ago, uh, right or wrong, a coach uh, was trying to help me in life, and because of me being a s- little bit shorter and smaller than most of the guys on the football team, and uh, he told me, he said, Richard, you're going to have to get tough in life. And he said, you're going to have to learn how to, to always win. And he said, it did not make any difference. You pick up a stick, throw a rock, throw dirt. The object is to win. Now, that's pretty ugly, okay? But I want to tell you something. I took on that in life, and I, I have decided no matter what, I want to win. But I know that I'm going to win if I'm, if I'm on Jesus' team. If I stay on Jesus' team, I'm going to win. So this is what I'm going to look at this morning, okay? So get your Bibles out. Go to Psalms 1, oh, excuse me, Psalms 18 this is where we're going to start this morning. Psalms 18. I'm going to try to go through this fairly fast. I encourage you to put down notes and write them, uh, you know, uh, at least the points so that you can go back over it because I'm going to give you, uh, you're going to laugh at this. I'm going to get through it, though, and we're still going to have communion, and I'm still going to get you out of here at the right time. Uh, But um, I got 12 points on how to win a battle. And you say, I can't do it. I'll do it. First thing you got to understand, okay, look at this, Psalms 1830. As for God, his way is perfect. Do you all see that? As for God, his way is perfect. Listen, there is no other way. I don't care what you want to. You can go to psych evaluation. You can go to this. You can go to that. You can find this plan or that plan. I'm telling you, there ain't no plan that's going to work except God's way, and that's only what's perfect. Hello? Okay. It says God's way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. God's wor- God's light way is perfect because his word always works. Do you know that there is no religious book ever written, no religious book ever written where prophets have prophesied and that 100% of the prophecies that they prophesied happened were fulfilled, but not all because they got to come to pass. But I'm saying everyone that's come to pass is going to uh, 100% accurate. It's a living word. It's a word that's able to change. Why? Because it's proven. It works. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He's a shield then to all those who trust in him. Do you hear what I'm saying? He's a shield to those that trust in him. If you're trusting in him in his proven perfect way, then he's a shield to you and you'll walk in victory. So right off the bat, I mean, I could just say, amen. God bless you. Let's have communion. Go home. But I'm going to preach on 12 points. Now, Luke 19 is the next scripture. These are not the first. This is not point one and two. This is just the the hors d'oeuvre. Luke 19, 42. Jesus looks over the city of Jerusalem. He looks over the city of Jerusalem, and he's getting ready to go in there, and he's getting ready to fulfill the prophecy of going and dying for the sins of the world. And he weeps over the city. And it says in verse 42, he says, if you had known. Everybody say this morning, I wanna know. I mean, say it to the Lord, say, I wanna know. know. He said, if you had known, he's talking to the city of, of Jerusalem, especially in this your day, the things that make for your peace, but they were hidden from your eyes. Here he was, the Messiah. Walking into Jerusalem is going to be the savior of the world. And he was weeping over the city saying they're all out there and nobody's nobody's looking. They don't know. They're not. They don't know that it's me. They don't know. They're not seeing it. And I don't want you as Christians to be the same way that we're just like, oh, yeah, well, I love Jesus. But what are we going to do? Oh, yeah, I believe the word of Yeah, But what are we going to do? No, it's time for us as Christians to understand who we are and the power and the might of the Lord. And who's on the inside of us to stand up and say, no, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus and see something happen. You say, well, I know, pastor, you know, you get a little excited every now and then. You get a little happy. No, I'm telling you, the American church has been asleep. They've not operated in the power of God. They're not operating the things of God. Why? Because there's no faith for it. Faith is what moves the hand of God. And when the church, not me, not me as an individual, when we get excited and get in faith and stand and, 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 and rise up as a Christian, man, you're going to see some power move. Yeah, but right now, if we just come to church because it's just a nice thing to do, well, then, you know, we ain't getting nowhere. Okay, that was our derf. Here's, here's the message. Point one. I want you to go to 1 Samuel 17. Now, I realize this is the story of David and Goliath, but I read my Bible, read through the Old Testament every year, and I always come across it, and every time I come across it, there's no way I can't preach out of it. Okay? I mean, it is just the greatest story that there ever was. And so I'm gonna try to go quickly over it and not go into the depth of all the story. Okay? Go back and read it, look at it. There's there's so much here. I just want to bring out the point that God is speaking to me today. All right. And try to, by the anointing of God, get it to you. Okay, now the story starts out, all right, in, in in First Samuel 17, one, you know, the story starts out there. There's uh, uh, there's the the battle going on between the Philistines and Israel. Right. And so all the Philistines are camped on one side of the valley and Israel's camped on the other side of the valley. And every day, oh, Goliath, he goes out there and he goes out to the middle of the the, the valley and he stands up and and he starts saying, look, send one of your guys out, bring him on out over here. And when you do bring him out, uh, we'll fight, just he and I, and we'll kill, And whoever w- wins, then they've won the battle, and we don't have to go into a big bloody mess if everybody fighting each other, all right? And so look down here at verse 11. It says that he came out every day, he spoke those words, he stood and he cried out, And he said, choose for your man. And it says in verse 11, when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistines, that they were dismayed and greatly afraid. They got this giant stand out in the valley and he's speaking words. And I'm telling you today, there's a giant standing in the valley and he's speaking words. But let me tell you this morning. The first thing you have to understand about fighting a battle to win is that they're only words. If the devil is speaking into your head today saying you're not going to make it, those are only words. But why are you letting words make you greatly afraid? Because words have power. And when the enemy's speaking those words, you're taking them into your heart or taking them into your mind. And he's twisting a scenario that is not good for you. And those words are getting into you. And you are being defeated by the words before the battle ever took place. First thing you got to do, you got to realize they're just words. Everybody say they're just Words. <laughs> All those crazy thoughts going on in your head, they're just words. Do not let them take root. Do not let them take hold. Second thing. See, we've already finished one point. The second thing here. So they go out there. So then, so then look over in, in verse uh, 16. Now he did this for 40 days. Okay? 40 days. That's a long time for old Goliath to be coming out there 40 days. You'd have thought that after 40 days he'd have gone back to the camp and said, well, ain't nobody coming out. The point number two is the words are not going to go away. You have to deal with them. Glory. Hear what I'm saying to you this morning. This is good preaching. The words are not going to go away. You can't just say, well, Maybe tomorrow I'll, you know, it'll be it'll be different. No, you got to deal with it. Everybody say I'm going to deal with it. No, that didn't sound very convincing. Y'all just kind of murmuring that like I don't know if I want to or not. Everybody say I got to deal with it. You got to deal with those words, man. You, listen, you're not this, this, just not going to quit thinking about it. All right, you got to rise up and you got to say shut up in the name of Jesus. You got to recognize what it is, folks. Most of us are defeated in our head. I, I I laugh because I don't play golf. I hate golf. Golf is the worst game. It's a it's a demonic game, it's made to bring out demonic things in you, and uh, and so. I, 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 don't, I don't know why, of all things. I mean, I can, I, can, I, I can shoot targets, I can do other things, I get no problem, but why in golf, I can put, just when a little I've played, you put the ball down there, you get the stick in your hand, and about right here, something says in your brain, you're going you're gonna to shank it. Where'd it come from? You know? And it didn't even have to be with all the, you know, good friends you have standing around talking trash to you while you're trying to hit the ball. You know, forget that mess. But just just the sheer thing of it's like it's like it's not there, it's okay. You feel good in your stance. Yeah, your feet are feel good. Everything feels good. Yeah, it feels good. It all feels good. It feels good. You're gonna shank it. I mean, why? Okay? But you gotta deal with those words. And and golfers to me who who win are are pretty amazing people because I guarantee that same voice is speaking to them, all of them. I like to watch golf very little, but when I do watch golf, I like to watch it where, where one of the big dogs shanks it out into the woods. He's out like going through the brush looking for his ball. I'm like, <laughs> look at that. I could have done that. Right. But to then overcome that mind, con- that mind battle. But they're words, but you have to deal with it. OK, the third thing here, look down in verse 26. So let me look back at 25 for just a second. It says, so the men of Israel, have you seen this man that they, they comes up? Surely he, he comes up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich with great riches and give him the daughter and give his father's house the exemption from taxes in Israel. Then verse 26 says, then David spoke to the men who stood with him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistines? Stop right there for a second. Now, in this story, <laughs> either David wasn't paying attention or it's like, a conversation between me and my wife, you know? She said something, and I turned around and said, yeah, what's going to be, you know? Because he just said what was going to be, and then David turns around and asks him. So obviously, someone made this statement to everybody out there, but David wasn't in their presence to hear it. Then David walks up and says, yeah, what's, what's going to happen? David spoke to the men and they said, what shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach of Israel? All right? And then he says, for who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? David had a different mindset. Listen to me. David had a different mindset. And as long as you keep yourself in the mindset that you were just a human being on planet Earth, born and are going to die. And that's the end of your that's your whole vision in life. You don't realize that you are a born again child of God. Bought with the blood of Jesus, paid for the, your price on Calvary, that you are tied in on this earth to heaven yes, Lord. and that you have authority Amen. and that you have blessing. Hallelujah. Well, then I want to tell you something. You're going to get defeated because you're you're not fighting the battle as a Christian, as a child of God. You're fighting the battle as a mere man. Everybody else was looking at, hey, maybe we can get tax exemption in the old king's daughter. That's what they were looking for. They were saying, oh, man, let's go. You think we can kill him? I mean, man, I'd like to be tax exempt. His old daughter, pretty good looking too. That's all they were looking for. David says, who is it? Uncircumcised. In other words, no covenant. Philistine. He's not in covenant with the almighty God. Who is that uncircumcised? He looked at things differently. What are you doing? Are you walking around your house saying, wait a minute, hold on. I'm a child of God. Who are you, devil, to come to mess with me? My Jesus defeated you on the cross. Who are you to be to be talking to my head? Who are you to be putting this in, in me and saying this, all this, these words to me? Who do you think you are? This is what's got me, folks. And I was gonna say, I'm 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 mad and I don't know what to do about it in, in, in this sense, but I don't know why in the world, why in the world, things have gone like they have gone. Because I cannot believe that there is not a righteous man in Washington somewhere, one, at least one, that would rise up as a, you know, you know, a Gideon in the midst of all of the mess, and couldn't do something. But it looks like everybody's a liar and a cheat. All right? But I want to tell you something. I want to tell you something. They're uncircumcised Philistines because they're not following righteousness, nor are they following the covenant of God, so even you have authority over them if you just take it. Because we can pull it down in the spiritual realm if we would. But if we walk around all the time saying, oh, I can't believe he did this and I can't believe he did that. And you don't take your authority. And look at things like they really are. Folks, listen to me. The enemy wants to turn this nation and shut the light off from preaching the gospel. That's the that's the whole reason. It's not about this, that and the other. It's about shutting the light off so the gospel will not be preached from America again. America is the greatest nation on the face of the earth that's preaching the gospel around the world and giving to more people, more generous. Americans are more generous people than any other person on the face of the earth. And he wants to shut that light down, wants to stop it, he wants to get us in internal conflicts and wars and fightings amongst ourselves or whatever. Something that's all he's doing is it's a dog and pony show. It's a smoke smoke screen out there to try to stop the gospel. All right. But you have to realize, you have to get the right perspective. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Why are we, the American church, laying down and not standing up and, and you, you rattling the doors of everything to say, look, no, we're not doing this. We're not going to be a part of this. We're not going to kill babies around the world. What are you talking about, you idiots? Doesn't have anything to do with women's rights. You're murdering kids? Shut up. But everybody's too worried about getting cut off Twitter <laughs> to say anything. It's the truth. They're trying to scare us. It'll shut you off. Isn't, excuse me, but isn't that wrong? Well, the First Amendment, yeah, but it doesn't work for that. It only works when we get to do it when we say what we want to say, not what you want to say that we don't agree with. (sighs) Number four. I got to go on because I told you I'm going to finish this. We're running out of time. Okay, So David says he's got the right perspective. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Now look over at at verse 28. Now here's O Eliab, his older brother. He heard him spoke this to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. He said, why did you come here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and your insolent of heart, for you have come down to see the battle. The fourth thing you've got to understand is there's always going to be some Yehu around you telling you you can't do what you're doing. Who are you? Always going to be somebody telling you you can't do it. What are your prayers? What do you mean? Who do you think you are? Always. Just go ahead and figure it. It's going to happen. Okay? Now look down at verse 29. So David turns to him and says, what have I done now? Is there not a cause? The fifth thing you got to know about winning battles is, is that you have a purpose in life. Now, let me explain your purpose to you right now. I'll just lay it out to you real simple and easy. All right. Whoever you're married to. And you have your children with. That's your first purpose. Wherever you go to work and the people you're around, that's your second purpose. So wherever you shop, you get gas and all of that. That's your third purpose. You have a special purpose or call to go to, you know, wherever, Ethiopia, well, then that's different. But I'm telling you what, that 99% of everybody, your purpose is to minister to those people who are around you. Mm -hmm. And that's your first place and you got to start there. And if you're not doing a good job there, then how are you going to do a good job anywhere else? Mm -hmm. Sixth thing. Look down at verse 33. Now, somebody hears David talking like this and takes him over to Saul. Verse 33 says, and Saul said to David, you're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight with him, for you are a youth, and he is a man of war from his youth. He says, man, who are you? Dave. Dave, come on, boy. Look. I'm glad you got some zeal and some gusto here, but who are you? I mean, you see how big that giant is? He's a man of war from his youth and you're just a kid. The sixth thing here is you cannot look at your strength. You have to look at God's strength. Yes, Quit sitting around letting the devil magnify your weakness. Look at God's strength. Wow, he makes a world in six days, puts everything on it, sits down underneath the tree and drinks a cold, sweet tea. Are y'all with me? Makes a world in six days and sits down and just looks at it and says, I think that's pretty good. But we're sitting around saying, oh, I prayed once and God didn't do what I said. I don't know if God's going to move. I don't know if God's going to move. Well, I want to tell you something. This boy's going down like in the Alamo, sitting up on the side of, the, of the, the, the wall, screaming, you want some more of me? Come get it. My God is able. Because I'm just telling folks, where are we going to go? Where are you going to go? What else are you going to believe in? Huh? What are you going to do? We're going to change to be Buddhist? I mean, you know, at least they just went ahead and made a pot-bellied God right off the bat so that nobody had much to live up to. <laughs> and his shirt short. <laughs> so they didn't put Superman up there. Dun, no, it's got this big pot-bellied. I said, hey, it's our guy. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to pick on just the Buddhist I'm just saying, Where are you going to go, church? Where else are you going to believe? When, when Peter looked at Jesus and says, you're the Lord, where else are we going to go? Where are we? Where are we going to go? What else are we going to believe in, huh? We're going to let the devils run around, and do their little mocking dance like them, them cutting themselves. Listen to me. This is where I'm, I'm prophesying this to you this morning. Just like 1 Kings 18, where they're all cutting themselves and jumping and dancing around. When Elijah's calling, getting ready to call fire down from heaven, we're seeing them jumping and dancing around right now. We're seeing them doing it, and everybody's sitting there saying, "Is it got any spark over there? Is it going to happen? What's going to go on? Some people are saying, oh, they're going to go. The God's coming. The God's coming. And they cut themselves from morning till noon, and nothing happened. And I'm telling you, we're in that phase right now, which is really rough, because it's, it's the morning till noon phase until Baal's going to get through, and Elijah's going to stand up and say, get out of the way. Let me show you how you do this. All right. And it's tough. It's hard. This is the waiting period It's the birth pains for the next move of God. It's the birth pains that are coming up. And it's not easy. You women, you know, y'all didn't say, oh, I think I'm having a baby. I think, oh, OK, let's go to the doctor. And then you just went to the doctor and walked in there and said, oh, OK. Oh, look at the little baby. <laughs> at least that ain't happen when I, my kids were born. I was like, sweet Jesus. Do something. And I wasn't having the baby. So we're in some birth pains right now, some labor pains. And you say, you know, this can't be. But no, it's a natural course. But I'm telling you, God's about to fall. The fire is going to fall. We're going to win. God is not leaving us. To be defeated by the devil and a bunch of idiots. I'm sorry if you think like my speaking, but my speaking this morning is idiots. You know what, speeching, right? We're half preaching, half speaking. Okay, I'm speaking. All right. So Saul said, "You're not able to go up against this man. You're not. You can't look at your your strength." Forget it, look at God's, the seventh thing. Here we go, verse 34. But David said to Saul, I used to keep my father's sheep and when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it. Now, just hold on, folks. This is pre-rifle days. Hello? This is a bear... And you with basically a sharp stick. Slingshot. Now, you can put a hurt on something with a slingshot if you can do it. I thought about bringing one in here this morning as an example and and doing it, but I figured all of y'all would just hit the floor like something because I figured I was going to sling that rock out somewhere, and I probably would have broke something or hit somebody. Because it's really not an easy task to do. If you've ever gotten a regular piece of leather, and try to use a sling and throw a rock, it's not the easiest thing to do to get real good at. But David must not have had a lot of time but to practice. Now, hear what he says. And when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and I struck it, and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it got... (laughs) I'm just envisioning this. And when it rose against me, I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. He gave it a chance. Bear, you can let my lamb down or I'll kill you. What kind of a person is this? Are y'all with me? I'll tell you what kind of a person is. This is This is the guy that sang songs on a harp. This is a guy who was sitting out watching the sheep singing about how great his God was. And he had a revelation of how great his God was. And he had a revelation that the sheep belonged to his father. He was in charge over them. God had placed him into that family. That sheep belonged to me, and nobody's taken my sheep. And today, we just tend to give up everything. Oh, well, I guess take it. I I I don't want to offend you. He goes on and he says, I, I, and I caught it by its beard. I struck it and I killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord has delivered, to me, delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He shall deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Look at the confidence he has. Look at what he has. He has confidence. Why? Because he had a relationship with God. And people today are still writing books about trying to figure out who God is. Does he answer prayer or not? Is he going to do this or not? What is going to? Nobody knows who God is. Do you? Do you know what God will do for you? Lord. Are you bold enough, crazy enough to get up and jump in around your house and march out on your porch and declare what God's going to do for you? Are you still, you know, like embarrassed to pray? I know I'm kind of pushing you here this morning, but this, I'm just you, this is going to get on you. We got to get busy. Are you still just kind of, you know, tippy-toeing around some of the things of God? You know, you're not really, you don't really know. You know, you're kind of like, yeah, it's okay. You know, I you know I like going to church and, you know, this and the other, but I don't know about, you know, about all this other stuff about praying, speaking the word of God, declaring the word of God, reading your Bible. Oh, my gosh, reading the Bible. I read it Once. No, reading your Bible, speaking in tongues. What about that? Praying for the sick. How about raising some dead? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I was putting it out there. You say, well, I don't know if that, I really believe that. Okay, well then figure out who you believe God is. And if your only experience with God is, you know, something in the little minor area, well then, I guess, then you're going to have to stay there or you're going to have to build on that. If he answered me in that little thing, will he answer me in this next thing? You're going to have to figure it out. You're going to have to figure out who God is because you've got to be like David in facing what's coming on us right now in this world. You've got to be able to look at the Goliath and say, look, I, I, I killed a lion and a bear. I mean, you ain't much bigger than them. At least you're just standing there. I know what you're going to do. You can't run as fast as they can. Your teeth aren't as big. You may be taller, but if I killed a lion and a bear, I can certainly kill you. Yeah. The eighth thing. Did I mess up? Seven, you know God. Eight, you have to fight the way you know. So David, he goes in there. Saul goes in there. He takes him in there, and he puts on his armor and he puts all of his armor on, Saul's armor on David, and he's got all this chunky stuff like this going around, you know. And so David says... In verse 38, he says, So Saul clothed David with his armor and put on bronze helmet on his head and also the clothes of him with the coat of mail. And David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I can't even walk with this. I've not tested it, he took it off. Listen to me. I'm telling you, you've got to learn to flow. You're not going to be a good at fighting the enemy unless you are confident in who you are in Christ and how God has you fighting. Some of you may be the greatest prayer waters and you're, you're, you 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 get up in in the mornings or at night, and you 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 can pray or worship or you do this or you do that, and this is how you like it. and You burn candles and you get on your knees and you do whatever you. Just, listen to me. There is no set pattern. The pattern is results. And if you just stand up and say, "Get out of the way," that's enough. And it runs and the devils flee. Well, then why do you need to sit down over here for, for an hour and pray? Well, because Aunt Edna had taught me how to pray. And she said, this is the way you're supposed to do. Well, uh, OK, that's maybe what she's supposed to do. I'm saying, do you, are you confident in what you've got? Lord. You guys, you know this, OK? Preaching the country people right here. You know this, that you have a hunting rifle, one that you like, that you, you know it. You know how it's going to shoot. You know what it's going to do. You've killed many a deer with it. You've, you've taken it hunting. You know what that baby's going to do. It may not be the prettiest thing in the world. It may not, you know, shine or like it used to, but you know it and you have confidence in it. And so somebody give you a new gun, you still don't want to get rid of the old one because, you know, you know it. Well, I'm telling you, you've got to get that confidence just like that in your life and in your prayer and in your walk with Jesus, that when you sit down at the table with him and you speak, you know something's going to happen. The ninth one. So David goes out, look at verse 40, he goes out and so he's taking off all this armor. He's taken all this armor off the things that would be what looks like good for battling He goes down and he chooses for himself five Smooth stones from the brook, and he put them in his shepherd's pouch, in a in, in bag in a pouch which he had, and a sling was in his hand. And he drew near the Philistine. David said, "No, I have to fight this battle the way I'm confident in. I kill the lion and the bear with my sling." And he goes out and he kneels down and he gets him five smooth stones. There's another whole message in there because Goliath had four brothers that David kills, and so that's a whole other message. But he picks out five smooth stones. He picks out a rock. Picks out a rock. To kill Goliath with a rock. Everybody say a rock. rock. Let me ask you a question: Who's your rock? I was gonna I had this little idea when I when I started thinking about this message about getting me a bag of rocks and bringing them all in here and giving all y'all rocks this morning. And then I thought, cleaning lady's gonna be so mad at me, man. They're gonna have rocks scattered all over this place. People won't drop rock. Gonna be stuff. Where... So you need to go get you a rock to remind you that Jesus is your rock. The only thing that's going to kill and slay the giants is what Jesus already did 2,000 years ago on the cross. He went and, he, and he went to death, hell, on the grave for you. He rose on, on Resurrection Sunday, defeating every giant that's ever was out there if we would walk in that authority with him. Your rock is Jesus. The smooth stone you're picking up and you're going to knock down, kill Goliath with is Jesus. The 10th thing. Now, look at verse 45. It says here, Goliath talks his trash in, 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 the, in 42, 43, 44. He talks trash all about who's, who are you, David? You send that little dog out here and all this. And David says, actually in verse 45, David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, in whom you have defiled. Okay? You've got to understand something, folks. How can I explain this? Okay, let's look at family for a second. In your family, in your children, and their children, does not what they go through in life become a part of what you're going through in life? Do you not then get involved in their lives and intercede for them in their life? Well, if you belong to God and you are a child of God, And the spirit of God inside of you cries out, Abba, Father. Well, then doesn't that mean God's going to be fighting for you? So then that doesn't that mean it's not your battle all on your own, but it's the Lord's. So that means anything that comes against you is coming against Almighty God. So if you mess with me, you're messing with God. He said, Well, who do you think you are? I know who I am. I'm a born again, washed in the blood, believer in Jesus Christ, adopted into the family of God. That's who I am. And Father God's my daddy. And if you mess with me, you're messing with God. Because he's going to come and he don't like his kids getting messed around. He said, Well, that's a very bold statement, Pastor Robert. And in your theology, I just don't know. Well, then go then go sit on the side of a hill and listen to Goliath every day. But just be quiet about it, please. Just don't want to hear you. Just don't want to listen to you. Don't want to listen to your whining and crying. It's something needs to change if you're not willing to kill a Goliath. Because then you're just going back to like the Super Bowl. You're just a spectator. You're not participating. Nobody in this group, in this room that I'm looking at right now is suiting up today to play. We're spectators, not participators. But if we're going to participate in the army of God, that means you've got to get out of the bench, get out of there. you got to get into the playing field and say, how do you do this, Lord? you got to go. Get... If you don't have a sling, you need to go. I don't mean literally. You need to go get a sling and you need to start figuring out how you kill giants. I highly advise you, if you do think you're going to go get a sling, get out in the pasture somewhere because you're going to break something. That rock is coming out, not where you think it is. Okay. So the battle belongs to the Lord. you got to understand that. you got to keep it in the proper perspective. All right. Now here's number 11 is, is, I think, the big point here. Look down at verse 46. Here's David speaking. He says, the day the Lord will deliver this day, excuse me, This day, he's telling Goliath, this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you, and I want to take your head from you. And this day I will give your carcasses to the camp of the Philistines, to the birds of the air, to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with the sword or the spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you unto my hand. Now listen to me. This number 11, point number 11 is highly important if you're going to win. You have to cast a vision. You have to cast a vision with your words. The enemy says this, yak, 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 and you cast the vision that this is what it is. He looked at Goliath. Who is this guy, David? He looked at Goliath, this huge giant, possibly was 10 foot tall, looks at him and says, I'm going to kill you. Not only am I going to kill you, I'm going to cut your head off. He doesn't even have a sword. He's got a sling. But he says, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to cut your head off. I'm going to throw you down. I'm going to let the birds eat you. That's bold talk for a kid with a sling. Right? So then what happens? He loads his rock. I don't know how it works. I don't know if an angel was right there, just kind of put a little, little bump on it or or if he just naturally, with that rock, just hit perfect. I mean, he had a, Goliath had a helmet on. So I don't know how that worked. We'll see the DVD when we get to heaven. But he pew, flicks that rock, kills Goliath, boom, knocks the boy down. I'm sure everybody said, uh, what just happened? Look at verse 51. Therefore, David ran, he stood over the Philistine, took his sword. See, <laughs> sometimes in life you're running around trying to say, Lord, I need a sword. If you want me to cut it, you want me to cut his head off? You want me to cut his head off? I don't have anything. Where's the sword? I need a sword. Lord, what am I going to do? I don't have a sword. Should I go buy a sword? What do you need a sword? And you go, God, send me a sword. I got to kill the guy. You want to cut his head off? I need a sword. And he's like, stupid, he's got one on. And that's how we are in our prayers sometimes. We're just praying and asking God. We're just just praying cuz we, th- we 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 think we're being prophetic because we know he wants to cut his head off and we just think we're so prophetic and we just oh, but we've all figured it. See, we got in there and we got to figure it out. We got to figure out, "Well, if he does that, then I need this and I need that." And we're spending all of our time over here praying, "Oh God, I need this to go to the battle." He's like, "Throw the stone." Because he kills Goliath, runs over there and gets his sword. Did just what he said he was going to do. He cast the vision and he fulfilled it. Now, here we go. For some of you, I hope that your, your, your Super Bowl day is today, uh, knowing that you're just almost through with the book of Matthew. Because you've never read it before and you're rejoicing that you're re- getting through the Bible this year. And so you just finished the first book. You'll finish it uh, tomorrow, Tuesday. Uh, You're going to finish, and you've read the first book of Mark. I mean, Matthew. Then be jumping into another book. I'm telling you, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. There is nothing else but the word of God. You're not going to win in, in life without the word of God and in knowing the word of God. The sword that you need is right here in your own hand. You're running around saying, God, help me. God, help me. What am I supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? While carrying the answer in your hand, and he's like, why don't you read it? Well, it's too difficult. Can you just tell me? Where? I don't know. How about just read it all? Now I know. Just listen to me. I want to tell you this. <clears throat> I'll tell you this last story, and then we're gonna have communion. I have a piece of equipment, and the other day uh, I was running it and and it and it and it went haywire and, and little lights came up and started flashing on and sending all these things, and I didn't know what it meant. So we uh, looked in the book, finally called the service department to see what this thing is and everything. And they said, Well, that's a that's the warning light that's been set up on, on the computer system of the machine to tell you that it's it's you're you're getting within. 30 hours and needing to change the oil and, and certain filters. And I said, Well, how do you turn it off? Said, well, just read the manual. <laughs> now I have the manual right there. And I glanced through it. You know, emphasize on glance. And it seemed rather confusing to me, so I didn't hadn't hadn't even messed with it, okay? Now, I, I'm kind of crazy, I'll admit, I, I know I'm kind of crazy, and so I'm to, I'm almost thinking about like selling the machine so I don't have to try to figure out how to make that thing work. Just pray and say, God, just send somebody just to buy it, I don't even want the thing anymore if i got to figure out how to read that manual. That's pretty sad. Hello? But that thought has gone through my head, and... In thinking like that, I realized that that's how people are. They're looking at the Bible that way. They're like, it's just like that. I don't want to read the manual. You know what I mean? But, you know, see, the, the way around it is that that's a piece of equipment. It's not my life. It's not my everything. It's not my whole being. It's not where I'm headed for an eternity. It's not that major of a thing. Follow me? But this life we're living is everything. And you better get the manual out and figure out how to live in it and walk in it and survive in it. Because I'm telling you, things are about, I believe, to even get more hairy before we see the victory. And we need to know how to kill Goliaths when they rise up in your life. Amen? So we're going to have communion now. And so my... my, Plead to you today is, as you come up this morning for communion, or if you're there at home, that you take that time in your heart to have let this message sink down in you and say, Lord, teach me to be a giant killer. I, I, I want to understand. I want to get this straight. I want to be a giant killer. I want to be a sharp, sharp, sharp instrument for you. Amen? So, sweetie, come on up here and and, and play. Can I have my... My prayer team, pastoral team, come down here this morning just to help me. And you know, church, I want—I want to tell you—we don't—we don't have the the prayer team down here just for good looks. They're here to pray and intercede for you. If you need something, you have something going on. Maybe—maybe maybe this message has really got you this morning, and you. You got some glass going on that you need to kill. Well, get one of these people and pray with them. This is what this is all about. This is what this is for, is to see the power of God flowing and moving in your life. So the Bible says on the night that Jesus was betrayed, that he took bread, that he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples and he said, now take and eat for this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So Lord, we thank you for this bread. We thank you for this bread, Lord, that it represents the body of Christ. And Lord, this morning, as we break this bread, we thank you that your body was broken for us. So Lord, we could be healed. And Lord, we thank you for it in Jesus' mighty name. For those of you at home, take and eat. Then it says, likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he gave thanks. And he said, this cup is a new covenant poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. What an amazing thing, a new covenant that our sins can be forgiven. It's called repentance. There's no one in here today, no one watching this message should feel guilty at the end of this service because all you have to do is ask the Lord to forgive you will. Anyway. So Lord, we thank you for this cup. We thank you for your precious blood poured out for us, for the forgiveness of our sins, Lord. Forgive us for our doubts and our unbeliefs. When, Lord, we've just come to those places in life and just hadn't trusted you. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name.